You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. I'm turning from my lawless way, and I'm going to submit now. I'm repenting. I'm turning from, from my thing. I'm repenting. If it's pornography, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm repenting. You can't say I'm going to repent and be saved and go back to the old lifestyle. No, it doesn't work that way. Repentance is you're turning. I'm turning from going my way, and I'm turning to God. It doesn't mean sinless perfection, but it does mean a changed life. It's a changed life. It's a changed life. So what is it standing between you and God? What's coming between you and God? As Pastor Danny will exhort you in today's message, you're called to repentance. It's not only for those who haven't come to Christ yet. Even the most weathered Christians who've walked with God for decades have sins and struggles in their heart that need to be repented of. As you seek to know God more on a daily basis, He'll reveal areas of your life that contradict His will and design. And it's up to you to surrender those things and allow Him to refine you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 6, as he continues his message, a message of repentance. John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. So she can't get what she wants from her king. And this is interesting. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. He liked to listen to him. Now pause there again for just a minute. Because what we know about John is enough to get an image of what kind of guy he is. Now I'm going to do a little speculation. It's not going to violate the scriptures, but you know, it's okay to, to think because we know enough about him to go, he was different. I mean, he was just very different. John the Baptist, I imagine, it doesn't tell us, but he comes in the power and spirit of Elijah, and his clothing is, is camel's hair. Nobody, that's not the fashion of the day, folks. He's wearing camel's hair. I mean, he's got his hairy camel coat, you know. He's got a leather belt. And it doesn't tell us the dimensions, but I picture it as this thick, wide leather belt. I, I picture him as a, a gruff kind of, I don't think he looked like me. Thank the Lord. He's thankful. You know, but I, I think he was bigger. I think he was, you know, I don't know for sure, but he, he just seems to me he was a very imposing kind of a figure. That's why people would come out to listen to him. And he had, didn't have a deep theological background in terms of, I mean, his message. His message, what was it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his message. So you got to hear this guy. He doesn't have a lot to say, but what he says, man, oh, whoa. And you got to see him. You just got to see him. I, I envision John the Baptist as the original hippie, but he was a biker hippie. I think if he came today, he's wearing black leather. He's got the black boots, you know. He's got the chain hooked to his wallet, uh, hooked, to his, hooked to his belt. 
you know, and he's riding the nicest Harley, man. He comes into town and he gets off of that thing. And when he stands up, people, I mean, before he even speaks, they go, whoa. And the crowd starts to gather. And then he starts to speak. I think he had a deep voice. I don't know that, but hey, I'm speaking for the Lord. The Lord has sent me. And he quotes, he quotes scripture. He quotes Isaiah 40 verse four. I'll give it to you in a minute, but here he is. He comes and, and Herod, Herod, when he heard John, he was greatly puzzled. He's like, I, I can't figure this guy out, but man, man, he, he, it's a show. He liked to listen to him. But Herodias can't get her husband to get rid of him. She hates him. She wants him dead. She don't want to hear his voice anymore. How many times he, she had heard him, we don't know. But he had been saying to Herod and to Herodias too. I mean, there's the, there's the deal. She had to hear it too. Now, not, your relationship is sinful. It's a sinful relationship. But finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a b great banquet for his high officials and military commanders. So he has his own birthday party, invites everybody. The leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod. And his dinner guests. Pause there just a minute. It's a pagan party. It's really no speculation. You, you read the history. You really read the history. In this pagan party, Herod's birthday, which he puts on for himself, the drinks, it is an open bar. No doubt. And nobody, I mean, it's not, well, I got I to limit it. You know, you're kicking it back, bud. And Herod's kicking it back as much as anybody. He got his woman. He got the woman he wanted. Stole it. Stole her from his brother. This is his birthday. He got, man, he got the woman he's wanted, you know. And it's his party. It's his birthday. And I'm telling you what, this is a pagan party. In the days before I knew Christ, I would have wanted to be at this party. It's a pagan party. And this girl, this daughter of Herodias, she danced. Usually the entertainment wasn't the first thing you got. You know how that works, right? You get the meal, you get the meal, you got the drinks. And after the meal, you keep the drinks. You keep going with the drinks. You know, you're done with the meal, but man, you're having dessert the rest of the night. Until you're feeling good. And when the entertainment time comes on, you already, you already, you already, you're already feeling good. And I know I'm, I'm speculating a little, but it's really not speculation because this was a pagan party. And you have to believe this is, this is the way it was. And I think Herod's feeling pretty good. And then Herodias, Herodias' daughter comes in and dances. Now, I don't think it's wrong to suggest either that if it happened today, in our culture, this daughter, this is not the first time she's danced publicly. Can't be. Because she's good. She pleases Herod. She pleases all the guests. If it was happening today, she's at least got a part-time job at Mons Venus or somewhere. One of the ones that pays really good. She's good. And you know she's good because look what happens. The daughter of Herodias came in and danced. She pleased Herod and his dinner guest. And the king said to the girl, and I think he's a little tipsy at this point. Again, I know I'm speculating, but it's a pagan party. Ask me for anything you want. 
Ask me anything you want. Man, that was good. <laughs> and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath. Whatever you ask, I'll give you. Up to half my kingdom. The guy has kicked back one too many. Now he's saying, just because just this girl danced and pleased him and everybody else, hey, I'll give you anything you want, up to half my kingdom. Well, he said it publicly. He's on the line now. You imagine? You, what a blank check. This is the king. You could ask for diamonds, rubies, endless gift card to Forever 21. Well, whatever your shop of choice would be, trip around the world. Whatever, what a blank check. I don't know how, this, how old this girl is, but she's, she and her mother, they're close. Which tells me why she danced so good. The apple don't fall far from the tree. Her mother's a pagan in an adulterous relationship. And it looks like her daughter is headed down the same road. And so she goes to mom and she says, what shall I ask for? Sweetie, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And once the girl hurried into the king with a request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed. It's a strong Greek word. He gulped. Well, because of his oaths and his dinner guest, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. Did I, did I tell you this is a pagan party? This is more pagan than you and I've been to. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. And you better know, there were some tears shed in the church at John's death. Tragedy. The height of injustice. Because he, a man of God, motivated by the love of God, told these wretched people the truth in order to save their soul from Eternal damnation. And by the way, I call them wretched. But if you haven't realized how wretched you are, you haven't looked in the mirror very carefully. And just imagine the people crying over John's death and they bury him. But that's the only place there's grief. The party went on. It wasn't Harry's last party. <laughs> Matter of fact, there's one person at that party and the party all of a sudden got more exciting than ever. Because finally, Herodias got what she wanted. She didn't have to hear John's voice anymore. She didn't have to be confronted anymore by his relentless preaching. <laughs> but she had violated God's law. <laughs> and she's living in sin. She didn't have to hear him anymore. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Did his voice echo in her sleep? Did she have nightmares? I don't know. We aren't told. I don't know. Did it happen for a while and then she just go on with her life and, and finally she became so callous that even though God's still trying to speak to her, she's insensitive? I don't know. But here's the truth. 
We're talking about real people here. This is not fictional stuff we're reading about. This is historical stuff. This is a real person who lived, one of the Herods, who really did steal his brother's wife, who really did throw this party, and there were people at the party. We don't have the names. We don't know who they were, his military officials. It was a big party. And everybody, listen carefully, listen carefully, everybody at that party in that day that never heeded the message of repentance and who did not put their faith in Jesus Christ, who everybody knew about now. Let me read again. Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well known. You know Jesus' name. You know that he came and that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again. You know the message. You, you got it. Some of us have heard it time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. And everybody at that party is now dead. And everyone at that party that never repented in this life and received Christ as Lord and Savior is right now in a place called hell. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it's such a shame in the church of Jesus Christ. You don't hear about hell much anymore, but I'm telling you right now, hell's a real place. If you don't believe in hell, you got a problem because Jesus believed in hell. He talked more about hell when he came and recorded scripture than he did about heaven. And he says, it's down, it's down right now. There's a place called hell, down, down, somewhere in the heart of the earth. And every person that's ever died without putting their faith in the Savior, looking forward to the coming Savior, or looking back at the Savior who's already come, everybody who's not there put their faith in that Savior is right now in hell. If Herod never repented, he's in hell right now. Herodias is in hell right now. Her daughter is in hell right now. And listen, there is no escape from hell. There is no purgatory. No saint is going to pray you out of there. There is no in-between. You're there. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. That's it. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Believe the truth or don't believe the truth, but that's the truth. Hell's a real place. And right now, as we sit in this church service this morning, there are people in hell and they're tormented. And I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time wrapping my mind and heart around that. Especially when I realize that, that the scripture says one day everybody in hell is going to stand before the great white throne judgment recorded in Revelation. And those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. They're going to go from hell to an eternal damnation in a place called the lake of fire. That's real stuff. You think I enjoy preaching these kind of messages? I think I'd go home and say, boy, I gave him hell today. <laughs> you know what I thought up until 30 minutes before last night's service? I thought the Lord was going to let me do the message I shared at the men's conference Friday night from 1 Thessalonians 4 and the first part of 5 on the rapture of the church. What an encouraging message. What an encouraging message. I'm like, Lord, if, Lord, if you let me teach that one, first of all, it's an encouraging message and I wouldn't have to study for this one. But I prepared and had two sets of notes. And the Lord said, you need to move on. At least I felt that's what he said in Mark's gospel. It's the same message all through the scriptures. <laughs> same message. I, I'm going to bring it to a close, but, you know, John the Baptist preached it. Jesus preached it. Jesus commanded his disciples to preach it. And maybe we'll do a part two. It's our job to preach it and proclaim it. Repent. Repent. Repent it means to turn. 
turn from the way you're going. You're going in a lawless fashion. In other words, you're going your own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. What's going astray? Going away from God. I want to do my own thing. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do my thing. That's lawlessness. We've all been there. All of us. And to turn. Acts 17.30, he commands all people everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, and some understand slowness in terms of his second coming, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, here's the interesting thing about repentance as I bring it to a close. It's a gift of God. 2 Timothy, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance. Acts 11.18, God has granted the Gentiles repentance. John 6.44 set me free in understanding years ago because I didn't understand. I'd had an occasion where I went over to Tampa, to Tampa General. A guy was dying. He was married to a lady in our church, and she was concerned because he had never according to her, received Christ, and she wanted to know if I'd go visit him. Long story short, I went and visited him. He was dying. He was dying. I shared Christ with him, and I can see it. I, I wish I couldn't see it. I wish I could forget it. But as I shared Christ with him and invited him to repent and receive Christ as his Lord and Savior, because if, if you didn't get a miracle and within hours, he's gone. He looked at me, and if his look could say anything, it was a look, probably like Herodias, the way she looked at John the Baptist. It was a look of, you have so offended me in my state now, offended me. And he turned his head and he wouldn't say another word to me. And I went away going, how can somebody who knows they're going to die within hours without a miracle not receive Christ, not repent and receive Christ as Lord and Savior? No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. Here's the thing. If you think, well, I'll just, you know, I got a little, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. When I'm done, I'll, then I'll. No, that's not the way it works. If you think that, you're deceived. You can only repent when God, by the Holy Spirit, comes and moves us and convicts us. The danger is we keep resisting that. If that happens, if that happens repeatedly and, and the Holy Spirit's drawing you and you know it's a, a conviction, they say, I need to make a decision. I need to receive Christ. I need to repent. It's time. I need to do it. And you keep resisting, and there are those occasions where you just repeatedly resist. Then, even if God's still speaking, you become calloused, and you can stick the needle of truth right, right there towards your heart. But it's right there, but you, you don't, it doesn't matter anymore because you're insensitive. You become calloused. It's a gift of God, but it's also a personal choice. But it can only be made when God is convicting and drawing. And of course, with those, it can be resisted. It can be resisted. John the Baptist would quote, especially Isaiah 40, verse 4. I mentioned it a moment ago, and I told you I'd let, him, let you know what it was. So let, let me tell you what it is. Here it goes like this. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways made smooth. What does that mean very simply? Make straight the way of the Lord. The idea is repentance, here's what it does. Repentance removes any obstacles, any hindrances between us and God. When I repent, here's what I'm saying. 
Lord, I repent. And if you've got a problem with alcohol, what you're saying is, I repent. I, I'm giving it up. Lord, I need your help, but I'm giving it up. You're in a sexually immoral relationship. When you, when you repent, you're saying, I'm turning from my lawless way, and I'm going to submit now. I'm repenting. I'm turning from, from my thing. I'm repenting. If it's pornography, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm repenting. You can't say, I'm going to repent and be saved and go back to the old lifestyle. No, it doesn't work that way. Repentance is your turning. I'm turning from going my way, and I'm turning to God. It doesn't mean sinless perfection, but it does mean a changed life. It's a changed life. It's a changed life. So what is it standing between you and God? Girlfriend? Boyfriend? The drug? The pleasure? The dream? Of being an idol in this world. <laughs> Boy, that ain't anything it's cracked up to be. Jesus said, what will it profit if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? There is no pleasure. There is no passion. There is no pursuit. There is no person in this life worth losing your soul over. And here's how the Lord has led me to do it every service. And it's not always this way. I just try to follow what I feel the Lord wants me to do. Noah, it says, was a preacher of righteousness. That means he was just like the other men and women of God, just like John the Baptist. Because as he's preaching righteousness, what he's saying is, here's the right way. You're going the wrong way. How long did he preach that message? So he preached a message of repentance, and he preached it for 120 years. And the whole time he's doing it, he's building a big boat, a big ship, the ark. And here's his message. He comes out, and he says, repent. Turn to God. Judgment is coming. But he's made a way. And when judgment hits, you can get in the ark. Here's salvation. Here it is. It's right there. They can see it. Forty years you've been hearing this guy. You imagine that? Forty years. And you've never repented, but you've heard him for 40 years. And somebody said, hey, you want to go out here and know it today? Nah. You know, he's just going to say the same old thing. There's nothing new. He's a little farther along on that big boat he's building. Well, why in the world he's doing that? I have no idea. But it's the same message. And 120 years, men lived a lot longer in that day. 120 years, he's preaching, repent, judgment is coming. And after 120 years, when the judgment finally came, you know, you know how many people had gotten in the ark? If you include Noah himself, eight people. <laughs> is the Holy Spirit convicting you? You need to repent. And the Lord's led me to say, do it publicly. Because if you, listen, if you're not willing to take a, a step here, how are you going to live for Jesus out there? Maybe your boyfriend's with you. Maybe your girlfriend's with you. Maybe you're, may, hey, you say, well, oh, man, this is going to be pretty clear if I get up and we got to change some things. Yep. They'll know right away. You'll have a good talk over lunch. You like to repent. 
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You might not realize how powerful prayer can be, especially during such uncertain times. There might be a listener who's really struggling, and God might stir in their heart a renewal of their faith simply by listening to this program. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. Just as we're reminded in Mark, God came to earth as a human, suffered in all the ways we do, and ultimately came to redeem each one of us. That's the takeaway we hope every listener gains from tuning in. Please pray for us also to seek God's will for this program and for it to continue to reach people in a powerful way. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Mark. We hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.